Hey girl, do you feel that? That's boyfriend material. This is episode three, Song to Song from 2017. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. You got the material? Oh. Do your yeah. thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And this episode is brought to you by Silk. It's soft and pretty, yet somehow still pretty cold. Oh, metaphorical. Also, it's sexual and mysterious. Also, it's Valentine's Day today, so I thought Silk was a good pick. We're recording on Valentine's Day. Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you, brother. We're doing boyfriend stuff on Valentine's Day. We are. Uh, Do you got your Silk underwear on? I sure do. You didn't even give me my cue at the end. Come on. Oh, 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 you mean Silk? No, that's boyfriend material. I felt like I got the intro wrong. We both got the intro wrong. It feels like it, right? Well, you know, we're really early here in the run of boyfriend material. We've only done three of these so far, and we haven't done one in a month, so I think it's okay that we're a little bit rusty, but we're going to get through it. I was telling you when I was watching it, when we were talking on Facebook, that I also picked out a material for this. I didn't do a metaphorical material like you did. I went with the red plaid flannel because of that really nice jacket that he's wearing. Dude, I know. I actually really liked that a lot. And when I saw it, I had the first thought that was like, damn, I really want that. (laughs) His boots were pretty cool in this movie, too. But we'll get to that. We're going to have to see if those boots are a Google autocomplete answer. I don't know. Did not do any research into that yet. Oh, okay, cool. play that game later. The one thing I do want to say right here at the top is that this is the first time, I believe, on the Cage Club Podcast Network that we are doing a Terrence Malick movie. Do you know Terrence Malick? Uh, only because you talk about him, but not because I've seen any of his movies. I went to look him up on IMDb, and I don't think I've seen any. You didn't see The Tree of Life with Brad Pitt? Nope. If you didn't see that one, you probably haven't seen any. He also did The Thin Red Line. He's done a bunch of I've movies. I've seen The Thin Blue Line. Very different movie. <laughs> Very different movie, yeah. This is a guy who once took 20 years off between making movies. Sounds about right. You can sense that. He There's a thing on IMDb. So, so there's a bunch. I don't know much about him as a person, and it turns out that might be because he's this very reclusive, very secretive person that not only did he take 20 years off between movies, he was filmed on set or had a picture taken of him on set for this movie, and it was like the, one of the first times ever. He did a Q&A at South By after they screened this movie Ooh. there, and that was like one of the only public interviews he's ever given. Like, it's a guy, he's made a bunch wow. of movies, but he's been in the background, I guess, letting his art speak for him, which I guess is kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I kind of respect that, you know what I mean? Like, you just want the, like, you don't want to be the face of it. In the world where, like, everybody wants to have, you know, their Twitter promoting themselves, to have a guy that's like, eh, fuck it, I'll just stay away from this. I mean, well, I guess he spent 20 years between movies, so, like, there wasn't Twitter and then was Twitter, but at the (laughs) same time, it's like, you know, like, it's a big gap. He also put out a movie two or three years ago called Night of Cups with Tom Cruise, which I did not see, but the other thing about this movie in the IMDb trivia was that between that movie and this movie, it was only, like, a year and it was the shortest gap between his movies ever. And he also put out an IMAX thing called Voyage of Time, which I think they yeah, also... Yeah, I saw this on his IMDb. Yeah, they also released it yeah. to home video. I haven't seen that yet either. These are movies where, like, you really need to be into it. Like, it's it's the kind of movie that I would leave... Like, I wouldn't mind watching this movie... Stoned. ...every day, but it's hard to watch it all the way through, I think. It's just like a rhythm. It's like a flow. It's like a pattern. It's like a boyfriend material. This is a slice of life movie. And I think that after we had seen American Honey, a slice of life movie that we both really, really enjoyed, um, that this one kind of lost me in a lot of places. I'm excited to talk about it with you you, because before we started, you were like, just watch it. Don't talk about it with me before we um, start. 
I didn't want to know anything about what you thought of this movie because I didn't know if you were going to love this movie or hate this movie. Like, I feel like it's the kind of movie where you might just feel okay with it, but I feel like you're either going to love it and it's going to click with you in every way, or you're going to be like, hey, that's beautiful, but I'm never going to watch this again. So I was going to describe my feelings about it as a little bit more indifferent, but your second description of hate it, which is it's pretty, but I'm never going to watch it again, more sums up my feelings towards it. I described it as indifferent. There's parts of the movie I liked. There's parts of the movie I definitely didn't like watching it on valentine's day while rachel's working is a little different perspective shout out rachel shout out our our great our great listener rachel (laughs) we appreciate all the listening she does for this show so she's working so you know you watch like a like a romantically struggled relationship movie that's also a slice of life that has like a non-linear timeline alone on valentine's day it's like Ugh. Yeah, but then you do boyfriend stuff with me and everything's better. Yeah, well, I, I mean, like, I had one date for today, and I knew it wanted to be with you. <laughs> so the story of this movie is a very complicated one. So this, I told the plot you the story or, like, the no, the, the making the, the of the movie? The plot story is very complicated. I feel it's, it's, it's very simple. It's just told in a complicated way. Yeah, it's convoluted. Like, there's no real easy answers. It's just, a, it's a story about two guys and maybe three girls or four girls. It's just their relationships with each other. And, like, that's yeah. kind of the story. Yeah, you're right. On the first episode of this podcast, the La La Land episode, I said the first episode should have been song to song because this was his most recent movie when we started this but now you can see now that you've seen this I think it makes sense to have delayed it one because this would have been a really weird entry point well yeah I mean we would have done it last month if Blade Runner didn't come out like we would like this would have been second in line Blade Runner was like a a bonus episode that just so happened to fall basically the same week that we were going to release the regular episode but this would have been episode two I think La La Land is definitely the better entry point because this agreed he's in it a lot but it's a weird movie and if you don't know who he is does he really have you to have that many lines he has to have like 20 lines total in this movie like he doesn't say much there's another movie that Terrence Malick made I think five years ago six years ago called To the Wonder which stars Ben Affleck which I was actually really looking forward to doing when we were going to do the Ben Affleck podcast but in that movie I think Ben Affleck has like eight or ten lines and that's it like a lot of it like he's in a lot of the movie and just never talks and so i think comparatively gosling has more his movies are not about dialogue they're not about plot it's about feeling and emotion and relationships and slice of life like you're saying the number one trivia on imdb like the the most voted up trivia was that ryan gosling said that there was no script for this movie which makes sense i'm sure he knew the story he wanted to tell but it was just like, okay, here's a party scene, here's what we want to accomplish, now go do it. It kind of feels like that. It, it does feel very natural. They capture, like, a really natural, playful... It doesn't It doesn't feel scripted, in the sense that, like, you know, none of the movements feel awkward or stuff like that. They're, like, you know, figuring each other out and stuff. It's great in that sense. And like I said, it's also beautiful. So, like, I do like a lot of it. The, the lack of dialogue kind of gets to me, because I get really, really ADD watching movies. Like, I can't... A two-hour movie with, like, very little dialogue it doesn't work for me and my personality i totally get that i feel like i really wonder if this version of the movie i think for the most part a lot of his movies or all of his movies or maybe it's just his recent movies i've only seen a few i haven't seen as many as i quote unquote should okay but i feel like a lot of them are like this if you didn't get into this I don't know that you're really going to like the other ones. I mean, there's there's some that I think you might like more. I think Tree of Life is pretty widely considered one of his better movies, especially his better recent movies. Okay. So if you kind of like this and want to see like a, a maybe a better version of this 
go watch Tree of Life. If you don't like this okay. at all, you can bail. Okay. The backstory to this movie go is ahead. you were asking me, it was a shot at South By. So I yes. lived in Austin for two years. I know yes. so many of these locations. I've been to a whole bunch of places. They shot a at South A whole bunch of houses in... that have that are that are set on water. You've been to a whole bunch of ho- 75 houses that have water everywhere. Multi-million dollar houses. I mean, they're all like lakefront, I guess, because there's no... No, no, they weren't like even set on water. They like just have water around the house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Every house looked the exact same to me because I was like, are they in another fucking water house here? Because like every house is like all glass, like everything, and then just water on the outside, like a moat. Well, so I obviously never went to any of those houses because I do not... You know, swim with the multi. Because we're peasants. Fishes. We're peasants. Yes. I can tell you roughly where in town those houses likely are. It's okay. likely west in the city because that's where all the crazy, crazy bonkers houses are. Okay. There's a lot of a lot of the downtown stuff I know. There's that scene toward the end, right before Natalie Portman kills herself, where that woman is kind of like wandering on the side of the road, like losing her mind. That is by a Wendy's and like a department store. Like I know exactly. You mean the woman in the parking lot? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that that woman in the parking lot is her mom. I think so too. Hearing that she died. She, She killed herself. Yeah. Can I tell you a funny thing? Yeah. In all of my notes, I wrote this chick looks like a really hot blonde Natalie Portman, not realizing (laughs) the whole time that it was Natalie Portman. And the only reason why I went on IMDb was to confirm that it wasn't Natalie Portman, but I was in the middle of the movie and I wasn't trying to see anything else, and she wasn't credited, like, one or two, like, in the top of the IMDb, so I was like, this blonde fake Natalie Portman's really hot. She looks just like (laughs) Natalie Portman. And, like, the whole movie, like, all of my notes are just about blonde Natalie Portman in quotation marks. But you can just remove those straight up. Just remove the quotation mark because it's, it's actually just one Natalie Portman. Portman. Yeah, <laughs> like yep. in, the, in like the last cut of the scene, it's like and Natalie Portman, and that was when I messaged <laughs> you. It was like, oh fuck, I got something to tell you. That's funny. But yeah, when when her mom is wandering, like I've eaten at that. I mean, I haven't eaten in that Wendy's, but I've gotten food from that Wendy's, and I went oh, cool. to that department store. Like cool. I think I was looking for like a mattress there or something. So like I know exactly where that is. Cool. I know where a lot of places are, and I feel like this is a movie that I feel it's a very split movie in terms of critics as i oh, think really? a lot of his movies probably are okay. uh, not that i ever put too much stock into like metacritic or rotten tomatoes yeah, but they're obviously. all about like sort of the 50 50 mark which is you know you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it i think so this is the second time that i saw it what connected with me why i like this movie is number one it's beautiful to look at number two it's filled with people that i like and number three it's places and sort of not feelings but kind of feelings that I've experienced in Austin, you know, like it's it's places like I've been. Like lust, exactly, and like you know, growing up and now still again living in the middle of nowhere, New Jersey. People are not making movies about this area, you know. People make movies about the middle of nowhere all the time, but it's like their middle of nowhere. To be watching a movie in a city that I know at music festivals that I've been to, yeah, it's like oh, I know what this is. Like it hit something, it struck a chord. That's really cool because we talk about this a lot. That I think that this is an accessible movie, even for me who like didn't spend much time in Austin with very little dialogue. Like I think that it's so it feels so natural that I did feel accessible to it, even though they're in like multi million dollar houses and they're doing some baller shit sometimes. The place was so real and so unmanipulated 
that you're like, oh yeah, this could be a parking lot that I know, and this could be a street that I walk down. Like it's easy to put yourself yeah, in the movie. Absolutely. So. And even though, I mean, like we've all been to music festivals, we might not have backstage access or be on stage with Val Kilmer. Like what? Yeah. Like, you know, doing whatever. Like we're still like we. I've been to Zilker Park, and I've been to where ACL is, where they film those scenes from South by. Like I know that. I know that experience, yeah. and so it's. I think it is accessible. I think you're right. Yeah, and same. This is um one of the things that I was hoping for. The movie started out, and I thought that I was really, really, really going to enjoy it because it had so much of this like surreal kind of music festival type, very natural music festival crowd type scenes. Shout out Diplo. Diplo early on. Diplo immediately in the movie, agreed. With Gosling sort of looking like he stepped out of Blade Runner 2049 in that hood, like feeling like he's yeah, I know, right? hiding in the ground. What I love about this movie is that they filmed actually at these festivals. Yeah, and, like, you can tell. There's just like yeah. people like watching a band and like Rooney Mara is on stage with a guitar. It's just like, oh, okay or like Gosling is there but I don't think you'd really like even it wouldn't seem out of place because like the story's completely different than their lives but like if right. you saw like Gosling like backstage at like a like at a fucking music festival you'd be like oh there's Ryan Gosling no, but you like would, you, out there. I think we would also be kind of freaking out a little bit be like oh my god like not like we would us be like, and like normal people <laughs> but like you're not gonna like cheer for Ryan Gosling when a band is playing you know what I mean like you're obviously there to see the band and you probably True. and I bet not a lot of people see him because you have to be at like a certain angle to like even like peek into the backstage so the movie was shot that it seems like they just rolled camera all day and it was apparently yeah, that's really long like. days they only had a half an hour break for lunch apparently oh, every time they okay. drove somewhere they were filming in the cars too just in case that needed to make its way into the movie the first cut of this movie was eight hours long and oh I my god! I know that you want to kill yourself, but I want to oh see my... that so bad. Oh, I don't. I don't. I at think all. it would be a better movie than this. I agree. I, on that, in that sense, yes, I think it would be a better movie. But you, do you know how long it would take me to watch an eight-hour movie? Yeah, it'd take you like two days, probably. Yeah, like six days. Like about six <laughs> days. Back to the music festival thing. I noticed something that I know that you didn't notice. Okay. And it made me really happy. Okay. Early in the movie, yeah. we see Diplo, right? Right. And I'm like, oh, shit, Diplo's in the movie. Right before that, we hear D Antword, right? Yes, so, and I like yep. D Antword. Yep, yep. Also, they say we keep it Zeph, because that's like their <laughs> thing. So I was like, okay, you know, like I'm getting kind of pumped now. South got Africa, a little... okay. And also, side note there. Yeah. The Antwerp from South Africa, also from South Africa, Charlize Theron, but go on. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. We talked about that. So we get a little Zeph nod, right? They, they say Zeph. They don't mean the same Zeph that we love, but they say <laughs> Zeph. And then there's a scene that they show, like, a light post, okay? Okay. And there's some, like, music festival flyers Sure. on the light post. Yep. The music festival flyer that's prominent that you can read is a music festival flyer for Boys Noise and Destructo. And Destructo I is know about because what? you have lots of clothes and posters in your house that say hashtag boys noise. Hashtag boys noise. And Destructo is the founder of, was the founder of Holy Ship and Hard Music Festivals. And I have spent many a days talking to him and hanging out with him and went to many of his concerts. And he is a very, very cool guy. To see a little nod to him in this movie was really cool. And I kind of want to go find the shot and send it to him. 
because <laughs> he's like, no, he's really cool. Like, I mean, he he put together all these music festivals, Hard Music Festival. That's him. Holy ship! And he does his own music thing. So, and his name was on the poster, like very prominently in this scene. And I was like, damn, there we go. So this is this is why I had such high hopes at the beginning of the movie. I get but, it. But um, shout out Gary Richards for being an awesome guy and making me a lot of friends. I made a lot of friends because of Gary Richards. To put this movie in a specific time and place, which why that might okay. have been up. This movie came out last year, but was shot in like 2012 and 2013. And then Terrence Malick spent like two or three years in post-production. It went from eight hours and he kept like talking, meeting with people. Like there's this very complicated thing where he kept bringing people in. Like Christian Bale was in this movie at one point. In this movie? And then Christian Bale left this movie to do American Hustle, which came out five years ago. Like, that's the time frame of all of this. Christian Bale was on set for a couple days, filmed stuff, came back to do some voiceover stuff. Apparently his character was very similar to Michael Fassbender's character. The other guy, you know know Michael Fassbender. He's the other, he's the not Gaz guy. He's Magneto in the new X-Men movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I recognize him for sure, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't know his name. But yeah, perfect. Christian Bale's character was a lot like his, apparently. I think they were both in it. But Christian Bale left. But there was this, there's this sense, like, that he gave interviews, like, like everybody was doing stuff and they didn't know if it was going to be in the movie or not. Terrence oh, Malick was weird. just bringing people in to do voiceover and just talk about the movie and, like, do these scenes. And there's so much on the, on the cutting room floor. And what winds up happening is that it's ki- it kind of becomes... Rooney Mara's movie, the main girl who you yes, wears a bunch does. of different wigs and like she has the voiceover. She freaks me out with all these wigs, yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. You know I'm bad about it. like I'm really good with faces, but once girls change their hair, you I blonde Natalie Portman. You do I not need lost. to confuse. Or you do not need to explain to me. As Mike Manzi knows on different podcasts, I have. What? so much difficulty figuring out who's who when they change their hair. Like, that is my number one thing. I'm not good with faces. I'm good with voices. Oh, okay. Faces yeah, I, I can't it. do. Hair really confuses me. I actually just brought this up on an episode either of Wistful Thinking or Charlize Theron Watch the Throne. I don't remember which one I was talking about, but I was talking about with uh, Jordan, who's one of the co-hosts of Wistful Thinking, who will be on this podcast in two and a half years to talk about Magic nice. Mike XXL. One of her favorite movies of all time is David Lynch's Lost Highway, and that movie is, there's a story going, and then something happens, and basically a new story begins. But it's the same actors in both stories. But the main girl, who I believe is Patricia Arquette, puts on a wig for the second half, or maybe she's wearing a wig in the first half, whatever. Her hair completely changes. You're supposed to realize it's the same person, and it's supposed to be like commentary on the other, and I didn't get that, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's happening. And she's like, Oh, it's the same person. I was like, I was like, What? And like that, <laughs> but like that was like all I needed. I was like, Oh, I don't know. I can't. Like my brain does not work like this. Nope, it does not for me either. So I did recognize Natalie Portman though. So at least it's that. Yeah, you you got one up on me in this one, brother. That's for sure. Let's talk about these this relationship. Well, actually, hold on. Before before we get into the relationship, before we actually get into the Gosling part, we skipped our top-of-the-show segment, Canadian Goose on the Loose, Canadian Gos on the Laws. Yes, and there was a goose in this movie. There sure There's were. Two geese. Yes, two There's geese in the same shot. in this movie. I, yeah, feel okay. like, I feel like we, we've talked about the movie in general, so before we transition into the actual characters and talk about Gosling and his character, let's okay. bring it back to current day. The last month, Ryan Gosling in real life, Gos on the Laws, news from the streets news you can use i have three stories how many do you have it's pretty much one story and a um and something else that i'll surprise you with okay so my first 
it's the it's the uninteresting thing, but the thing that I keep seeing the most in my daily Google alerts is that they are filming First Man or First Man on the Moon, whatever the movie's gonna be called. Oh, right now. Yeah, I saw this. Good. At the, and they're yeah. at, the, at the Kennedy. That's the Space one where Center. he was wearing the goofy bathrobe. Yeah, yep. and we saw the picture. Yep. So that's coming out this year. He's playing Neil Armstrong, and so that movie is basically filming as we speak. And so every day they're like, "Hey, do you want to be an extra? Here's a picture of him on the set. Here's a picture of him in the costume." Whatever. So every day, there's new Ryan Gosling stuff about this movie, it feels like. There's no major developments here. Not like on the last episode of Magic Mike's or two episodes ago or whatever, where we were like, hey, yeah. the Gambit movie's on hold. Here, it's like, hey, this movie's happening. Bunch of new stories that don't really amount to much. We're going to know a whole fuck ton about this movie before it comes out just from all yeah. the pictures and mm-hmm. shit. Is that, was that your whole... Well, that was the first one. I have two others, but Can I want I do you one, to then? say yours because I'm guessing it's one of mine, too. Yes. Okay, so the first one that I have, which I'm positive is one of yours, is this. All these articles that just came up that are about Ava Mendez's yep. mm-hmm. children yep. with Ryan Gosling yep. and how Cuban they yes. act in their house yep. and how their daughter speaks Spanglish. Their three-year-old daughter. Yep. I think that's really cute, and I think Eva Mendez is stupid hot, so congrats to them. Yeah, so for like four or five days in a row, I got Google alerts about this, like, Ava Mendez talking about her relationship with Ryan Gosling and their kids and their family and all this different stuff, and so I was like, okay, let me go read this interview, because it's going to be like a lot about Gosling, and the interview, I don't it's know not. if you read the original, it's about clothes, her clothing line, and there's one paragraph. Seems like it. She does not say Ryan. She does not say Gosling. I don't even think she references him. She just says, like, when they go with dad, they speak Spanish, or whatever. Like, it's like this afterthought. But, like, the headline of the article is, like, Ava Mendez talks about her re- her relationship with Ryan Gosling. And <laughs> yeah, I know. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's not what this is about at all. But no, it's not. That's what they're selling it as. And it was the only part of the interview that we needed anyways. Yep. So... And that was Perfect. one of my other Gosling laws, so we were right that we had an overlap there. My other yes. Gosling third one, yes, is something that I shared on our Facebook page and Twitter page. Somebody created a supercut of Ryan Gosling screaming, and the AV Club and a Ooh. bunch of other sites picked it up, and they said that this is basically all the proof we need that he is one of our generation's premier screamers. Uh, I think we've talked about it a little bit, like in La La Land. I don't think we call it screaming as much as, like, freaking out or sort of, like, going from this calm yeah. demeanor to this, like, really manic demeanor. But I feel like that's what this is. He's so soft, and we were talking about it. He's, like, so soft normally, and then he has, like, all the, like he has these moments in movies where he's just yelling, and you're like, whoa, okay, cool, you got serious for a minute. That's awesome. I think that, that we have seen a lot of screaming in the movies. Yeah. We might have to add that to our... Uh, guesses pretty soon huh well we don't really do guesses for this we just do the best and most or the best and or the most and least boyfriend material moments and i kind of like that oh change of okay pace. yeah yeah that's right that's right that's right yeah but it would definitely do, be yeah. a how will he scream in this upcoming movie you know what we maybe we should add it to the uh the gossies i like that we could do that yeah we add best scream to the gossies i like that a lot right do you like yep. the gossies you like that name i do like that that name so we will when we get to that segment at the end of the show we will add that in. we will i will also title it the gossies you know okay. the, the golden cool. goose the golden geese the gossies whatever i think yeah. that that last goose and loose about his screaming sort of transitions well into his character too because he is throughout this movie mostly soft he doesn't really freak out but he does sort of shift into like a rougher angrier more upset demeanor he's always sort of controlled 
And then yeah. we also see him at the end of the movie when his dad is dying, who's not in the movie until the very end of the movie, we see him openly crying. And he cries in a lot of movies. Yeah. If that's not a category, we need to add that to Ryan Gosling crying. Best crying scene. Uh, just like Zeph. Yeah. So I think that that, you know, we don't get a, a scream. We don't get a freak out. We don't get this like manic Gosling, but we do get that mostly throughout the film, a boyfriend material-esque Gosling with a few different ladies. And then yeah. we have him getting a little bit aggressive when he feels wronged. And also yeah. him having a very tender moment when his dad is dying. I agree. My last Gaz on the Laws, I'm going to send this to you here. Oh. I want you to look at that. Send it oh. to on. Whoa, okay. This article is titled... Every Ryan Gosling makeout scene is responsible for your sexual awakening. And it's just like 20 pictures of Ryan Gosling <laughs> making out with women and and they're all gifs. And it's just like, you know, this GIFs. is like gifs of, this is just lady boner bait right here is what this is. I thought that this was amusing for us and I wanted to share it with you. If you get a chance. I will put this on our Facebook page. This just came out today. I don't think this was in today's Google alert uh, as a yeah. pop sugar article by Quinn Keeney. Maybe Quinn Keeney will be a guest on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully she will. If it's a woman, I'm guessing Quinn Keeney that has all the pictures of Gosling making out with women is a is a woman, but she is. Her bio on Pop Sugar is reduced, reuse, recycle Rihanna. So maybe we don't know. We don't know, but if we're gonna take an educated guess. No, she is a woman. I see a picture of her. Okay. So yes. So <laughs> Okay, but um, no yeah, look needed. through these pictures. The they're kind of amusing. You see, like a lot of Goss making out. So yeah, which we get in this movie too. So yeah, that was my last Goss on the Lost. Sorry. No, that's fine. I didn't. I thought. I thought we were done. That's why I was sort of transitioning back into the movie. But cool. I think now that we are done. We can go back and you want you want to talk about the characters, the relationships. It's a very complicated narrative that I looked on Wiki just to sort of make sure I was following it. She's dating Gaz, but having an affair with Fassbender. Rooney Mara is. Okay, I couldn't tell. This is this is what I want to talk to you about. I couldn't tell if we have a non-chronological timeline. Because it feels like we do, right? Like, for the we, most part. I think it feels that way, but I think for the most part... It's chronological. It's chronological. I think within certain, like, half-hour blocks, things get a little jumbled. But I think at the end... Like, when he meets her at the party again... They had already dated. They're redating. Yes, correct. Okay. So I think I it's all in order overall. I think within the movie... We get some flashbacks Relationships, because he's, like, meeting girls, and, like, they're sort of dating. Yeah, there's flashbacks and stuff like that. Yes. I think overall, in order, short-term, out of order. Because I was thinking for a minute, she was not having an affair with him, that this was that they had been in a relationship previously, but then you would see, like, these moments where, like, Gaz would be, like, taking pictures of them together while they were all three of them out, and then it was, like, this bizarre love triangle situation. Right. It just felt weird, but to me, it made more sense in my head as I was watching it that this was, like, they had had a relationship, but now they're, you know, co-workers, business partners, whatever... Rooney Mara and the other guy. Gauze is now like his new musical talent. He is now in a relationship with her, but they kind of still have some feelings for each other. I thought that these scenes where they would be like having sex and stuff would be just cutbacks to like her imagining her previous relationship. But I guess it kind of works either way. So I think what makes it confusing is that the first relationship we see is Rooney Mara and Fassbender, but he's her boss. 
And I yeah, think she's that, his receptionist or something, yes. right? That's what he says. Yeah, I think she's got a couple jobs, but that is the main. That's her main job. That he, she uh, is the receptionist for him. This is very uh, a la. Do you, do you know what movie this is reminding me of? Secretary. Waif. Duh. She's like his secretary or receptionist or whatever, or just like assistant. assistant. Yeah, she's his assistant. Remember, Emily. Emily. Emma Rada, Emma Rada is um <laughs> is his assistant is okay. Wes Bentley's assistant remember that's why she's like his manager assistant and they're also dating right and then the, then she's also creeping with Zeph this is a slice of life goss version of Wake <laughs> now that I think about it also thinking about it like that I like this movie a lot better <laughs> if we were just if we'd had Squirrel in this movie damn it could have got really interesting instead we just kill off Natalie Portman. <laughs> I think why the movie is confusing is because the first relationship we see is Rooney Mara and Fassbender, and it's an open relationship to us, but to the world, it's a secret. Yes. Then she starts dating, she falls for Gosling, they start dating, but then yes. what's weird is like the three of them go on this vacation to Mexico, and it's like, why yeah. is this happening? I still don't know. He's like a musician. He and Rooney Mara both want to be acclaimed musicians, right? And Fassbender's yes. like a music producer. Kind of, yeah. He seems like a music producer, but not in the sense that he makes music, in the sense that he like just runs talent, kind right. of. Rooney wants to sort of work her way up, but it feels like she's kind of stalled, and Gosling is like this new talent that they hire or whatever. Also, by the way, they don't say his name in the movie, they only show it in the credits. His name in this movie is B.V., shout out Blue Valentine, which is an earlier film, which is going to make me cry again, I can tell you that much, for sure. Okay. That's going to come, I think that's like 2011-ish, it's him and Michelle Williams. I'm excited. So yeah, so that's that. So he's named B.V. in this, I think... In reference to that movie, I can't imagine what else it would be in reference to. Boyfriend material, I guess. Big vagina. Also that. But that's why I think the movie is confusing, because she does seem to be dating both. Even at one point, Fassbender's like, you should tell him about us. See, again, this seems, even in this sense, this seems to me like one of these relationships that people have that I've never had, which is, like, it's just a relationship that never really ended. You're just, like, kind of always in a relationship with a person. Like, I've no, I know friends that have, like, done you mean, stuff like, like this. like, Yeah, like, they were, like, in a relationship, and they're, like, not really, like, a couple, but they're, like, just always in a relationship type situation. Have you ever met people like this? That, like, yeah, have, but I, like, also, I also get the sense, like, their relationship never really began. Like, it just sort of That's happened. That's what I mean, yeah. It just kept happening. Exactly. Yeah, I know a lot of people that have been in relationships like this. Like, they'll just be like, oh, yeah, they had this person that was, like, going to be, like, a friend with benefits, but then they, like, keep hanging out with them, and then it, like, be kind of comes a relationship, but it's, like, never has, like, rules or anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's not as, like, structured as a normal relationship. That's what it seemed like to me. Like, it doesn't even really feel like she's cheating on Gauze until she starts to feel bad about it later. Because, like, it's like, oh, he kind of knew. It, f- it felt like he knew. And then, like, he didn't at the end, so... Okay. Well, I think what's important about this movie is that the movie it has very little interest in actual answers. It yeah, never it tells care. us what people think or what people know. It just sort of, we see how they react to things. It feels like even when their relationship is going strong, Gosling and Rooney Mara, he's meeting that older woman at the restaurant and they're sort of like cuddling. That's his mom. Is that his mom? This is a problem that I had with this movie. The older woman at the restaurant is his mother 
because she says that's right oh something about dad like i lost dad and he's like you're a stone cold fox you're smart and he's like talking to her like very like this is your mother and son type relationship they're close you can see that but it also wasn't like they were on a date right no but they were also but they were like too cozy i think for mother son i don't know i mean it's gosling like if i had a son that looked like gosling and i was his mom i'd be kind of cozy (laughs) with him too right but the thing that got me later was is how the fuck did they cast this girl to be his girlfriend who looks just like a younger version of his mom? I like how you say this girl like it's not one of the most acclaimed actresses of our time. Who is it? Kate Blanchett. Is it? Okay, I didn't yeah. recognize her at all. But yeah, she looks just like yes. Goss's mom. And it really freaked me out because then I thought maybe they were in a relationship. And I was like, that might not have been his mom <laughs> now that I think about it. And then I'm like, no, this chick looks a little younger. And then right. I'm like, no, but I could be her too so like i was like really confused because there's even a scene where he's on a date with Kate blanchett and his mom is there and they're sitting side by side yes and they keep yes. like storms off he's like what did you do but when they were sitting side by side i was like these two women are mother and daughter like that's what like, i thought I, then yeah. i mm-hmm. they were so similar looking i was like obviously we're not gonna get answers in this movie but i hope that that choice of actress both of them was a decision made to show that, like, he was looking for someone like his mother. Probably. After he was dealing with Rooney Mara, right? Yeah, because their hair is in the same way, their hair is the same color. Exactly. They're identical. It was so spooky to me. Yeah, like, they could have been, like, you know, younger, older sister at this point. Like, it was really creepy. But this is also a movie where he dates three or four different women that we see him date three or four different women. There's Rooney. Does he? Well, there's Rooney, there's Kate Blanchett, there's the girl in the flashback. Maybe, like, is the girl in the flashback the one at the airport? Is that the same girl that Rooney dates toward the end, or no? No, those That's are two completely girl. different girls. So the one at yeah. the end is like the French girl. Yes, the one. So the one that Goss is dating is the girl that they're at a music festival. Rooney Mara says, "Why didn't you go with her? That's your ex-girlfriend." And then we do kind of a flashback to Goss's relationship with her, which is that she was also a singer-songwriter, or whatever. She got an opportunity to go somewhere. We don't know where. She's like, do you want me to stay? And he's like, I could never ask you to do that. And she's like, cool, then I'm just going to leave. That's like, was their relationship. Okay. So, yeah. So like the transition is that Rooney Morris sees her, sees them talking and goes like, did you used to date? He says, yes. He's like, why didn't you go hang out with her? And he's like, and eh, don't worry about it. And then we see that, like, they had a relationship. The girl that Rooney Mara dates is a girl that she, which we, I forgot, because they just, like, glaze over it in the beginning, is it like, her whole job is, like, dog sitter, house sitter. That's yeah, her she's whole got job. a bunch of different jobs. I think she's just sort of, like, faking until she makes it. There's something else. There's a note that I took of her. She's, like, a real estate agent. Oh, that's it. Yeah, she's a real estate agent because, like, they're always in these gorgeous apartments. And, like, there's a lot of those are downtown. Like, yeah. These really beautiful sky rises where I know exactly where they are. Like, I've never also never been in those apartments. But, like, the biggest apartments, all the nicest stuff, and, like, the best views of the city. Absolutely. I feel like she just works three or four different jobs. She's the receptionist. She is the dog walker. But they're kind of like odd jobs. They're not like nine to fives, you know? So the woman that she gets into a relationship with, the French woman that left Paris that has a house on the water, big surprise, is a woman that she originally meets to house sit for. Okay. That's like their first interaction is that she's like, oh, your house is beautiful. And it seems like she was coming over to house sit for her or dog sit for her because she like sees the dog. She sees her. They kind of like eye flirt. But then she's like, I'm a house sitter or something. And they like come to the house and she's like, your house is beautiful. And then they have lesbian sex. Yeah. So 
And this movie, I mean, she says this in the voiceover when she's talking to Gosling, but I think it applies to everything. It's that she's just living her life song to song and kiss to kiss and one moment to another. And she's That was a really lame-ass part of the movie. I got it, but it was lame. Well, what's weird about this movie is that originally it was going to be called Lawless, which, and this is, this is going to sort of tease things for Fire Ice Titles later. It was originally going to be called Lawless. Another director wanted to do Lawless, which is a movie starring Shia LaBeouf and Tom Hardy, which is also good that we covered for all his movies, and Terrence Malick was like, sure, you can do that. Then it was called Weightless. Okay. They have that, like, that scene where they're on a plane and they're weightless. Like, I don't know what that was about, really. I don't think... They weren't weightless. It was just the way it was shot. They were all, like, standing on furniture and kind of goofing around. I felt like they were, like, pinned to the top of the plane. Like, it, it was... That was a weird scene. No, 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 but if you look, his foot... Because I was trying to figure this out, too. I was like, are they, like, you know, doing the, like, weightless flight thing? Because you know if you... You know this, right? If you, like, fly the plane, like, up and down, like... Yeah. You can mm-hmm. kind of like just yes. hover, yeah. right? But no, if you like actually pay attention, I don't know if this is a missed shot or if this was like a cue to it. What happens is, is um, Magneto is on the chair and he's just like standing there with like one foot on the chair, but then like bracing his shoulders up against the back of the gotcha. plane. Gotcha. Okay. Goss is just like laying on, laying in the chair and putting his feet up on the ceiling of the plane. Okay. I get it, and they were like doing it, and it looked like they were weightless, but they were, you know, just like pretending. Gotcha. Okay. So it's really called Lawless, and then it's called Weightless, and I don't think either of those are really... Like, I feel like Weightless is a better name for this movie than Lawless, but then there's Song the Song. Which I think is actually a, a good title for it, to be honest. It also feels I like, like there's shit... Like, there's a lot of... There's obviously a lot of music in this movie, but I feel like there should be more music. I absolutely agree. Like, we were, like, at music festivals so much, but we didn't really get any music, and then, like, they're both musicians, but we get, like, Goss playing the piano, what, once or twice... And Rooney Moore never really plays the guitar. And then we have that weird lady that's selling her the guitar that's in, like, 20 scenes of the movie. Patty Smith. That's a, that's a famous musician. I mean, like, I recognize her face, and I was trying to figure out who it is. But she doesn't really do anything. Like, that's not part of the story. Like, why is the her buying the guitar so important to I the story? I think she's just, like, this person, like, the only person, I think, in Rooney's life trying to give her guidance. Because at the end of the movie, Patty Smith says to her, is that your fella? Fight for him. Really love him. Don't let him get away. And I think yeah. that's when, you know, when Gosling goes back home, quote, to the West or out West or whatever to go be with his dad. Rooney's like, I'm always going to love you. And then like at the end of the movie, maybe it's a flashback. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's symbolic. Maybe it's a metaphor. But they are kissing on a hill at sunset. And that's how the movie ends. So like whether or not that's real, I think Patty Smith is like, hey, if you have somebody you love, go for it. Like stick with it. Fight for it. It's worth something. Yeah, I mean, that's a cool message, but it just, like, it was a whole lot of the movie, and I don't know if it really paid off to me, for me. I get it. Yeah. So, actually, you, you brought up a thing. What I what I wanted to say while we're on this topic, you said Gosling plays the piano. Just like we do in Fast and the Furious, identifying on our Too Fast, Too Forever podcast. Go listen to that. Yes. We identify the different types of vehicles that people travel around with. I want to start tracking the types of instruments... Ryan Gosling plays in a movie, because I counted five different things he played in this. In this movie? Yes. I only saw the piano. Go ahead. What are the other ones? Can you list them for me? One of the first scenes where he and Rooney are in a relationship, he has that acoustic guitar, and he's sort of doing like a Latin rhythm. He's standing on that table, and like he's sort of crooning. Like It's like a, it's like, it's a Latin tempo okay. song, but he's like kind of crooning. Okay. Then he's playing an upright piano a few scenes later. Then okay. he has 
uh, I think this is in a flashback with his girlfriend. He's playing that little Casio keyboard, that wireless keyboard, and he's singing there. Okay. Then, when they're in the unfurnished apartment that I think is the same time he burns that pamphlet with that like that really high-rise, that wooden apartment, he's playing an electric yes. guitar that's plugged into an amp. And then, at the end of the movie, when he reconnects with Rooney, he's playing a grand, like a baby grand piano. So he plays two different yes. kinds of pianos, plus a keyboard. And then two different types of guitars. So five, and he sings Damn. a couple times. So yeah, what I mean, a fucking renaissance man. He's always singing in movies. He's always dancing. He's always playing music, er, playing instruments. I think it's worth not necessarily. It's not a game, not a segment, but just tracking. What's he playing in this movie? Hey, Gaz. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. he playing? Gaz, what's that in your hands? What's that in your hands, Gaz? <laughs> on the note that you just brought up, when he lights the pamphlet on fire, me being the gentleman that I am, and soon to be you as well. That was a really dope stove. Those are wolf stoves. <laughs> And those ranges are fucking awesome, and, like, I, you know, like, I house fap to those, like, all the time. Oh. Like, the ones with, like, the red knobs, and they're just, like, super badass, like, industrial Believe stoves. me, one of our clients is a uh, kitchen and bathroom. Oh, that's right, and that's right. And I saw so many beautiful pictures of kitchens and bathrooms, and I was like, oh my god, these are all gorgeous. So, yes, I saw that with, like, six burners, and, like, just beautiful. Yeah. I was like, yep, that's great. God. I know. I want one so bad. They're, like... Obviously, as I'm sure you can guess, they're fucking expensive, so... Yeah. So, I will never have a wolf stove in my lifetime, probably. Hashtag never say never. Yeah, but I will dream to one day have one. And that was just, like, a nice little, like, oh, like, I brought me back into the movie. Like, I was, like, kind of lost. That was kind of, like, a, a slow part for me. And then I see the wolf stove. I was like, oh, sick. Cool. Good stove. There's one cool scene in this movie where Ryan Gosling crushes the shit out of a pinata with a baseball bat. Yes. That was really awesome. I did see that, and I did notice that he just, it was, like, one swing, too. Like, it wasn't even, like, a couple taps or anything. He just, like, demolishes it. <laughs> they and fake like, him out, wow. they pull it up the one time, and then the second time he swings... And he, like, swings down, yeah, right? Like, he knocks axe. it off the swing, or off the string, and, like, obliterates it in half, basically. Which, yeah, boyfriend Pretty material, badass. For sure. To get back to the movie and a little bit about the relationships, because it was a slice-of-life movie, and because it was, it was shot very surreal, did you feel, before I even saw the scene that I'm going to talk about... But before that, every scene with Magneto felt kind of like it was on drugs. Before you get to the point where he takes the mushrooms or buys the mushrooms or whatever, it all kind of felt like drug scenes because they're like weird and like nothing really is making sense. I mean, not that the movie makes sense at all, but like, you know, they kind of feel distant. Like you're like watching it from a third person view, but you're also involved. Did you get this sense? No, I don't think so. But I think that would sort of track with his character because we don't know. I mean, we don't really know a lot about any of these people, but we we especially don't know anything about him. And so to have this sort of alien perspective, this sort of altered, warped perception of reality, also as Gosling is trying, he's trying to figure out what is actually going on, whether he can trust this person as a friend, as a friend to his girlfriend, as a boss, because there's also a scene pretty early on where Gosling like gets mad at him. He's like, why did you put all these song copyrights in your name instead of my name? And I feel yeah. like it's a lot of trying yeah. to feel him out. And so I think from a filmmaking perspective in terms of seeing him or like if, if it feels like you're on drugs or you're drunk or whatever, it's like he's disoriented. He's trying to make sense of the world kind of. So I think that I, don't, I didn't pick up on that. But, you know, if that's true, that I think I think that works. To me, it felt more literal. You're seeing this. And once you start tracking him throughout the movie, like once you're like the focus of the cameras on him, 
it feels like it's telling you that he's doing a lot of drugs. There's that scene when, like, him and Gosling, and he's, like, kind of, like, holding the key weird, and Gosling, like, puts it away when the girls walk up. Do you remember this? Mm -mm, No. They're, like, kind of backstage somewhere, and, like, two girls walk up, and he's, like, kind of, like, motioning with Gosling to, like, do key bumps. Gosling takes the key and is, like, like this. Obviously, they're not saying anything because there's no dialogue. And then girls walk up, and Gosling's, oh, shit, and just puts the key in his pocket. Okay. There's, like, a lot of scenes like that, and, like, the scenes that he's having sex seem like really distant and like weird so i think that they were just showing you that like this guy was on drugs all the time and once you start following him the shots change just like this kind of drug-induced view right and that's who he is and i think that's the whole thing that he is yeah yeah uber successful and he is this Mm -hmm. guy who's charming and good looking and rich and basically, when he meets Natalie Portman, blonde Natalie Portman, blonde, blonde Natalie Portman, essentially yeah. gets her to quit her job on the spot, drives away from the diner. Like, the, Natalie Portman, who is this sweet, innocent kindergarten teacher who can't find a job, so has to waitress at a diner, gets her to quit her job, marry him, seems really quick, Yeah, his debaucherous lifestyle of, like drugs and orgies and like sort of forcing her into three ways with women she doesn't know and like kind of like directing the three this is so weird it's something that i have no experience with the, sa- <laughs> the saddest thing in the whole movie is that natalie portman is the- this innocent character that we actually know more about her than i feel most other people we see that she's not ready for this that she's swept up in like the money and the charm and the looks and the lifestyle i guess feels that there's no way out and that's why she kills herself like that's really really sad but like yeah that's what he is that's who he is that's the lifestyle he lives yeah he seems like he's like a crusher you know what i mean like he just sucks the life out of people and stuff i mean i know people like that it kind of makes sense so yeah it's like you know just one of these people that like they just draw people to them but they also just like take everything from them definitely really interesting and in the end, he's going to come out on top. Like, he just, he's sort of bulletproof. Like, there's nothing he can do wrong with him. Yeah, he just keeps moving along. It's like, one of these people, I always feel like these people sold their soul to the devil, and they just have, like, a whole existence that I'm just not experienced with at all. So, it's crazy to me. We get him, and we, like, as we're tracking him, because I keep on talking about him, you know, he gets, he convinces Natalie Portman to, like, leave with him, and then all of a sudden, like, there's a fucking Ferrari in this movie. Yeah. Like, just out of nowhere, there's so many, like, disconnected kind of things that, like, you know, you you get that he's rich because we saw his house and, like, the parties that he's having, but then, like, all of a sudden, he's, like, at a diner, picks up Natalie Portman, he's, like, get in my Ferrari, and she's, like, oh, fuck. I mean, it's Wolf of Wall Street, where he's Leo, and she's Jonah Hill. Is that your car out front? Like, I'll quit my, I'll quit my job right now, I work for you. Like, that's what this is. <laughs> Pretty much. But different. In this movie, we get Goss with a gun. Mm. We also get Goss as, like, an oil rig worker. Whenever we got to that scene, I couldn't imagine anything but the scene from Zoolander, when he's, like, doing the photo shoot of being a coal miner. <laughs> I thought you were going to say... That's exactly what Goss felt like to me in that scene. He's like, oh, Dad, I got the black lung. He kind of can play, a, like, a working man, but he's also just, like, not... He's too good-looking to be a working man, so... I thought you were going to reference another scene from another movie we talked about where Star and all the other girls show up to the oil fields in American Honey, and they're like, we're just yeah, dancing around true. having a good time, and, like, are you prostitutes? And no, we're not prostitutes. Like, what do you think we are? That's, you know, we were talking about American Honey before. I related a lot of things in this movie to American Honey just because of how similar they were, but, like, just in the in the way they're shot, not because they're, like, similar stories or anything. I mean, both set in the South. obviously this... 
both set oh, yeah. heavily, heavily in Texas, so not far off. No, really not far off at all. Do you remember, so there's two guys in this movie that this can sort of apply to, but there's two guys who are very heavily tatted, like their faces are all tatted. There's the guy outside yeah. who's all blue. The guy inside with a really big... The lizard man. Yeah. There's yeah. the guy inside with the gauged ears. Yes. I don't know him, but he was at the draft house every Tuesday night for Terror Tuesday. I saw him literally every week, so I don't know... Oh, really? Yeah, so like I've seen... So him he's like a he's, local hero or something. Yeah. I think he probably just knows people and like, you know, is part of that community part of that world and like I just guess was on set one day with them and like that's cool like that's just that's cool that's really fucking cool yeah good for him like that I would love to be like think if if uh, fucking Christian Bale got cut out of this movie but you're left in it that's pretty badass <laughs> to me that's really really cool in my opinion on this note glad you brought that back so we're talking about local hero in Austin I came to visit you there but I didn't spend enough time there to like notice is Austin much like Nashville in the sense that it's all people coming there to get discovered musically is there like a huge live music scene and stuff like that like it's just as a general question there's a couple cities this applies to but they call themselves the live music capital of the world there's Austin City Limits the TV show but there's also also Austin City Limits the festival there's obviously South yeah, By yeah like I get that but that's music festivals where artists come in I'm talking well, no, about no. places so where think, like so, every so bar two, so there's, two, there's two different things so I don't know that people okay. go to Austin to be discovered as much as Nashville where like they go to that diner and they're like I'm gonna be found here like that's that's the story of Nashville I think that's different Austin there is definitely 6th Street which is where all the the college bar street there's always live music it's not nec- it's not really like New Orleans in that like there's just jazz in every bar like every bar kind of has its own vibe but there's definitely live music every night all of all over the place okay it's a city built on music and built on performance and sort of like a live experience I think it's different from Nashville I feel like it's not people like I don't know that they're going to Austin in this movie I feel like they're just there and because they're there they're afforded the opportunity to try to like pursue that career kind of you know no 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 because because you see that Gosling was from a different place and he left and he's trying to do music but that's also literally everyone in Austin like no one in Austin is from Austin everyone in Austin is from other places like there's hundreds of people who go there per day so the fact that he's from somewhere else I mean he might have just gone there because like it's this young city with like live culture so you're saying we might just be like in a bubble of musicians yes okay that's what I was asking yeah I wanted to clarify if it was more like Nashville where like just everybody's trying to be a musician or if the movie's just set in a group of musicians and music producers and stuff and that's the scene like just the image we're getting from the film not from what's going on there cool you asked me while you were watching if you you said i wish that i recognized more artists in this yes because i did recognize a few but like you just heard me say as we were talking i didn't recognize a whole bunch of them like i could tell that they were familiar but i couldn't guess who they were so um do you have some for me okay so the list at least from imdb is arcade fire johnny rotten from sex pistols iron and wine okay. they all perform uh, and yeah. then people who were not performing but just there was patty smith iggy pop of course with no shirt on florence welch of florence the machine the black lips leaky lee and the red hot chili peppers most notably flea uh, they're all offstage, I thought it was Flea. Whatever. Thank you. Okay, Flea was one that like I I was convinced it was Flea, but then they cut to another band, and I'm like, 
damn it. And, like, I don't know if Flea's in a new band. or I, I don't know what's going on. I really thought it was Flea, and I was like, oh, look, it's Flea. And then I got lost because there's nobody else from the Chili Peppers in the in the scene, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Flea is in another band. It's a band that I've seen live. What's the other band he's in? Oh, Adams for Peace he's in, He's uh, which yes, is the that's right. Tom York band. He's in a bunch of different things. Also, similar to that in terms of, like I was saying before that Christian Bale was in this movie, also in this movie who filmed scenes but had them cut was Benicio Del Toro. Wow. Clifton Collins Jr., who's been in a bunch of things. Trevante Rhodes, who is black in Moonlight. He's like the adult oh, version of that. Okay. Callie Hernandez, who was from La La Land. Then Haley Bennett and Boyd Holbrook, who I don't know by name, but would probably would know if I looked them up. So cool. that exists somewhere. But there's all this story that's not in what we actually wound up seeing. And the movie we saw is two hours and eight minutes. Like, there's a lot of movie here, but there's another six hours somewhere. Now that you keep saying this, you're selling me on the like wanting to see the extended edition. It would be pretty, pretty crazy. I have a, just a general question for you. You can choose to answer it or ignore it. Because we were talking about the houses, all the houses on the water, all the glass houses, could you feel comfortable hooking up in just like a voyeuristic glass house like this? No. It would remind me... So, okay. So... No, number one. Short answer, no. But number two, one of my really good friends lives across the street from this, like, crazy... I don't know what type of art style it is, but this, like, modernist... It's a house that I call the A Clockwork Orange house, because it looks like this crazy... Like, the type of house from A Clockwork Orange, which is not necessarily all glass, but, like, this house, there's a lot of glass, and I feel like it's recessed enough that people wouldn't see you. But there's also, like, there's scenes where it's not just the all-glass house, but when Rooney Mara's in the relationship with that French girl, like, they're outside, and, like, French girl's, like, you know, in her underwear or whatever, and they're behind a fence, but there's just cars driving around, like, right past the fence. And you can see the cars. It's like, oh, like... Yep. I mean, that's confidence in your body because she's beautiful, but it's also, like... No, she's gorgeous. It's It's not even that. I think that I just have a problem with just, like, even in my house, you've been here, like, I keep all the fucking blinds closed... I keep all the doors shut. Like, I'm just, like, not an outside person. So even, like, being in a glass house, like, I would just be uncomfortable just, like, doing anything. Like, why are people watching me from the outside? I'm much more worried about people, like, just creeping in than me looking out. Like, and I will surrender my views to not have, like, the, just the even, like, paranoia that somebody's just, like, sitting across the street with binoculars. Like, what the fuck is this guy doing? But I feel like in that kind of house, if you have that kind of house, you have the type of personality that you want people, you you want attention. You're voyeuristic, yeah. Yes. And you are, for lack of a better word, vain, or you are, you know, you have really high self-confidence. And you probably are also able to attract a certain type of girl or guy, depending on who you are or what you're into, that wants to be in that kind of house with the idea that, you know, I might have sex and people might watch me because they're watching this house in general. So it's a personality thing. It's a specific type of personality that I am not, that you are not. It exists, and I think it's probably more common than we think. I think so, too. I th- it's something that I, I, makes me... I'm just too paranoid for shit like that. I can definitely see that they, some people enjoy it, because a lot of really expensive... Ho- like, I could have an expensive glass house like that if I lived in, like, the middle of fucking nowhere. You know what I mean? Where, like, I knew that, like, the closest person was, like, three miles away. I'd yep. be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I can do this now. And even then, I would want, like, my bedroom to still be right. shut out. Yes. Like, maybe just, like, the living room and kitchen would be, like, glass. But, like, I don't dig it. It's not not my speed. So I have two other real 
quick notes about this before Go I... Go ahead. I'm getting to the end of my list, too. One of my favorite scenes in this, or it wasn't even like a scene, just like a moment, is when uh, Gosling kisses Rooney Mara through the glass. Like, she's in that shop, and they, like, kiss each other through the glass. I was like, that's kind of unique. Yes. Like, yes. they don't actually kiss, but they, they sort of fake mime kissing, whatever. Yes. And the other thing was that when this screened at South by... Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Did this you see the it first... there? I was back in New Jersey by this point. And also, okay. so the thing, the thing with South by is that when I was there, I would get the film wristband. The way that South by works, like, South by is awesome if you are rich if you're able to afford like the platinum or the gold wristband by yeah. all means go for it because that gets you into everything and the way that it works is that for every event they basically let platinum in first and then gold and then silver and then like just the regular badge Peasants. and then the wristband and then standby okay. and so with the film wristband which is 90 bucks or was 90 bucks when i was down there it's probably like maybe maybe it's 100 now just say it's 100 bucks okay a film badge which is the tier above it is $500. Which is a lot. Yes, which is a lot of money. I don't know if there's platinum. There, platinum might be VIP or whatever, but there's basically like film badge is 500 music badge is like 800 Silver wristband gets you into film, music, and interactive. So it's not like you're just choosing one. Like the film badge, you can't get into any music events. Like you're just there, right? Yeah. So you just have film. You're, you're tear up, but you can't get into anything. I think you can also get into interactive with that. I think like the film gets you an interactive and the music, this is all too complicated but anyway what i'm saying okay. is that silver gets you in everything gold gets you in everything earlier and then if there is a platinum it gets you into everything first so okay. the way that it works is that if something big is happening platinum gets in then gold gets in then silver gets in then the badges get in then the wristbands get in then standby and so for big events like this movie with you know if if a ryan gosling is there or a fassbender or terrence malick or whatever yeah right? like because terrence malick was at this they're going to be in specific theaters they're going to have the shit publicized out of them as someone with a film wristband i would know i can't get into that i'm not going to wait online for 90 minutes to not get into a movie so okay. i even if i was in austin at this time the tldr if i was in austin i would not have gone just because i knew i wouldn't get in like they, they showed you didn't have the expensive enough pass right. to warrant you even trying to wait for it right it was gonna be so fucked like when okay. i was there they did train wreck that amy schumer judd apatow movie like yes. an early cut of it and they were both there and i was like oh i'm never i'm never gonna get in there there's just no way like it's just not worth it like the film wristband is great like if you just want to see movies six months or a year or you know years literal years before they come out you can just see movies you can see like 30 in a week even if you're working a full-time job if you just go after working on weekends you can see so many movies but you can't see the ones you want to see unless you pretty much have like a gold wristband or whatever damn capitalism but yeah no if you have the money south by is great if you don't have the money uh you sort of have to get creative with things yeah it makes sense that's how everything works i get it but anyway so at the first press screening in la this was not the south by screening where terrence malick did a q a at the okay. first press screening over 15 people walked out and then wow, when the movie why? ended because they hated it and okay. then when the movie ended a woman said this is all imdb lore i don't know if this is true again we, okay. we treat everything like gospel on this from imdb when the movie ended one woman said yay and the theater laughed like oh we were all thinking that too so it did not have a very great reception well, were they work were they, were they watching the three hour or eight hour cut because that could explain a lot I think probably this version i was just kidding that was a joke that you didn't get i know i want to see that eight hour. i just i just want to like, i don't want to joke about the eight hour cut because i want to see it so bad <laughs> do you have any other notes about this before we move on one of my favorite scenes that we didn't talk about goss's blonde mom girlfriend uh spills her pearls and then she hungry hungry hippos them up off the floor in the restaurant 
I just instantly thought of Hungry Hungry Hippos, <laughs> and I got really excited, because she's, like, she's, like, trying to, like, palm them together like a cat, and they keep, like, moving everywhere, and I was just like, oh, I'm glad we cut in this scene of her playing Hungry Hungry Hippos with pearls, and that was it, and I just laughed to myself. Love it. Yeah, that was, I think, uh, that's the note that I want to end on. <laughs> cool. For me, yeah. All right, so the first thing after we talk about the movie every week is the mailbag. We have an email address. Actually, before we talk about the mailbag... I'm going to encourage listeners out there to rate, review, subscribe. Subscribe if you want, but really rate and review the podcast, all of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Go do that because The Contenders, one of our newest podcasts on the show, on the network, second episode came out yesterday. I was on that. They already have like six reviews. They are six ratings. They have a couple of reviews. Like people love it. It helps people find this. So I know that we're, we're doing this because we love Gosling. We love talking about movies. We would be doing this even if nobody was listening. But if you like the podcast, go take two minutes and write a review. Give us five stars if you like it. If you like it, give us no stars. Tell us to fuck off. That'd whatever. be great too. Do whatever you want. Yeah, do it. Or you give feel. us five stars and then tell us to fuck off. How about that? Best of both. Both. Worlds. Yeah, that's split. Split it down the middle. Yeah. Go that rate works. and review. But anyway, also here's another thing. If you do that, email us boyfriendmaterial at cageclub.me. Send us pictures of cereal. Send us a picture of your review. Whatever you want to do. Let us know. We will read it on air. He'll read anything on the teleprompter. Literally anything. No pictures of cereal today, Joe, but we do have one email from resident historian Mike Manzi, who Ooh. will be on the episode, or he'll be on next month's episode as we go back in okay. time to The Nice Guys, which is a film I love. Okay. Mike wrote a day after our last episode came out, January 22nd. Okay. Subject line, Blade Runner short films. So now, this is an email that I read. I did not read the first line, which is making me laugh. He opens it, Hey, boyfriends. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Mike Manzi, our resident historian. I don't know if you guys know this. It may not come across all the time in our podcast because he, he takes this he takes this seriously he's like he's he you does. know he's a professional but he's fucking hilarious so not that he that he's not funny on the podcast but just to let everyone know that he is he's honestly like one of the funniest people that i talk to randomly and i think his sense of humor is amazing that sums it up right there hey boyfriends just like a little shit like this that he says to me just always gets me really laughing so good job mike thank you agreed he said noticed how much you liked blade runner 2049 and i also wanted to spend more time in that world and was able to for at least another 25 minutes with the three prequel short films oh, that were released yeah. leading up to the release of blade runner 2049 That's have you true. seen blackout 2022 2036 nexus dog or 2048 Nowhere to Run. They're all on the Blu-ray. I did not watch them because Gosling's not in them. I meant to bring them up on the episode last time, just saying like, hey, these exist if you want more. I didn't watch them either, but I noticed them. But the covers, like the movie posters of them, looked like the shitty... Oh, fuck, what's... I can't think of the name of it to surprise you. I was going to give you a laugh. What's the name of that movie company that we always talk about that makes, like, the knock... Like, snakes on a the train? The Asylum. They look like yeah. Asylum covers for the movie, so I thought that these were all, like, short film knockoffs of, like, Blade... You know what I mean? Yeah. So they... I thought that they were, they were like, spoofs of Blade Runner. No, they're real. They're legit. So I dismissed them, thinking that they were these Blade Runner spoofs, and I didn't watch them. But if Mike Manzi recommends them, resident historian, I think that I will have to give them a shot because I really did like Blade Runner 2049. I think it would be awesome if I could get some more time in that world, too. Yes. 
So he, he goes on to say, Go ahead. while Gauz isn't in them, they do a nice job of opening up the world a bit more Ooh. without being necessary to watch before the film in order to understand the story. Cool. And then he puts, he puts in parentheses, unlike the Alien Covenant extra scenes released on YouTube that kind of did the opposite, they feel like required viewing. Which okay. I was talking cool. to... So in my Fantasy Baseball League, which I talk about a lot, in our yes. text thread, I am the biggest Twin Peaks defender. I love Twin Peaks. I love Twin Peaks The Return. I try okay. to get more people to watch it. Yeah. I am fighting a losing but a losing uphill battle. Like this is not gonna happen. People do not care. My whole thing, which I really feel like is true and I love, I genuinely love, and this is something I was talking to Nico about. He's now the official co host of Now and Again, but okay. he's also gonna have his own podcast starting in March. Cool. He was saying that he feels like the same way I do, if you watch the original series, you watch the movie, which is a prequel. You watch yes. the deleted scenes from the movie, which is called The Missing Pieces. Yes. You read Laura Palmer's secret, The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. Yes. If you read the book they put out before The Return. Okay. If you watch The Return, and then if you read the book that comes after The Return, it's this like in- truly incredible narrative experience that just watching the shows and the movie doesn't really provide. Okay. And so I'm like, there's this great like world building. The book that comes after the show kind of explicitly gives answers to a show that doesn't give answers on its own. Okay. And so I was trying to explain this to my friends, and they're like, I just want to be able to watch a show and not have to do any reading to understand it. I'm like, I get that. And I think that you can still enjoy Twin Peaks if you don't read about it. But if you're willing to take this extra step, if you love the world, if you love the world of Blade Runner, and you yeah. want to, if you want to go deeper, when there's stuff out there that makes it better, I love that. Like, you don't have Same. to. Same. No, no. This is, this is, we've had this experience with a lot of different media nowadays. You know, you get, like, either a video game or a movie or something, and then, like, if you combine the books and the movie and the TV show and the and all this other stuff, you get a really comprehensive look at it. And if you already love one, why not devote the time to experience all of it? I am a bad person and have started Twin Peaks many a times and never finished it. Not it's because I didn't difficult. enjoy it. No, no. It's, it's not even that I dif- didn't enjoy it. But you know, a problem that I've talked about before on here and on all of our other podcasts is that if something is too blue and calming... I go to sleep. I don't think that's the intention of the show, but the show is very slow. It lulls me. It's very peaceful. The music is very soothing. The music is so soothing. There are scenes of, like, really stark violence that come out of nowhere, which is sort of what David Lynch does. But for the most part, everything is so peaceful. And that's like the sleepy town that I can totally see why you would fall asleep and just yeah so it's not like i can't get through it because it's boring it's just i put it on if it's not like middle of the day which i it doesn't seem like a show you kind of want to watch in like the beginning of the day no you want to watch it at night and when i watch it at night i'm just like okay now it's just like liquid benadryl i just go to sleep that's the problem i have it sucks it's a double-edged sword there um i wish i could get through it but i can't and I will try again soon, I promise. Mike finishes up the email. Did you watch and enjoy this material, even though it wasn't, quote, boyfriend material? Because I guess he's not really a boyfriend. He, he is a boyfriend to Joy, but she is a robot, or she's a hologram, and he's a robot, but, you know, yeah, what, a replicant, whatever. He says, also, what type of material do you think Wallace, in parentheses Jared Leto, wears, considering he probably synthesizes all his material himself? And then Mike says, in a, mm. he has his guess, 
which ties into I know mine this is. episode. He says he what? seems like a silk guy to me, which is the material for this episode. I'm going to say Jared Leto is a 3D printed... Don't steal mine. Cashmere. I'm imagining that he wears only synthetic human leather. That's what oh. it is. Yeah. Oh. Very futuristic, right? It's just like human skin leather that he also biologically engineered. Here's what I bet. Knowing who he is, he's making clothes out of wood, and they're not comfortable, but he's like, look how rich I am. I'm wearing wood, which is the rarest material in the world. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's like this, like, uh, yeah, like woven kind of, maybe like a like a new age wicker or something. Like, it's like woven. The wicker man? Ha, 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 ha. Uh, yes, the Wicker Man. And then Mike signs the email, thanks, third times. Mike, Mike's podcast, his new podcast, Third Times a Charm, starts not this Saturday, but next Saturday the 3rd. So oh, after cool. you hear our Fast and Furious episode on Too Fast, Too Forever, two days later, come back for Third Times a Charm, where Mike and I talk about Superman 3, the best Superman movie that ever was. I'm excited for it. I'm going to listen to these ones. And you know that I don't listen to any podcasts, so... All right, the next game we're going to play, or we would normally be playing, is the Google Autocomplete game. But today, unfortunately, we don't have very good things. We have Ryan Gosling Song to Song trailer, singing, and soundtracks. Nothing about fashion, nothing about his looks, not your normal age or anything. Sort of boring. Moving on now to the next game, which is the trailer game. I just put the tr- uh, trailer in Discord. If you just search Song to Song on YouTube, the first thing that comes up is a video from Zero Media that has 1 yes. million views. That was put up 11 months song ago. Song to Song trailer number one. Yes. All right, you ready? You, you let it buffer? You ready to go? Yeah, I already, I already queued it up when you sent it. So three, two, one, play. And here we go. Again, as always, I listen to these muted, so I don't hear any audio. Drug use. So, well, the music is, is kind of playful. I didn't know why I was coming to this party. Well, I'll hear it when I edit yeah, it. I saw you yeah, know, this is the end of the movie. This is the second go round. Yeah. It's a lot of him and Rooney. It is. It's a yeah. lot of him and Rooney. There's a little bit of music festival scene from the beginning. Him playing the piano. Song. She's talking about the song to song. It's that monologue, is what it is. Um, him playing the piano. Oh, a lot of musical stuff here. See that outfit was cool. The one that he's like sitting on the ground and wearing the like, the green jacket and the boots. I thought that was a really cool one. More music festival. Um, we got the waitlist. The light gloves. I didn't get to talk about the light. There's blonde Natalie Portman. Wow, this. This is very. This is very frenetic and very fast-paced. Yeah, it's very quick. To a movie that is not that at no, all. No, that's what I was saying. This movie looks very interesting. Like, I really... If the movie could have... Again, you said they had eight hours of footage, and they took, like, two of the slowest hours of all well, of I'm sure that I'm sure that they had more, way more than eight yeah, hours. Yeah, I mean, like... They had an eight-hour cut of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, I really wish Fast it was Bender, faster. Gosling, Mara, Natalie Portman. Blonde Natalie Portman. The girl that looks like Natalie oh, Portman. Oh, also... What? That scene where he goes on a date with his, in the flashback, where he goes with his uh, former girlfriend, they're in that, like, sort of outdoor space with, like, the pink pillars. It looks like pink pillars. Yeah. Like, they're lit up pink or whatever. I've seen, like, a, a live, like, an outdoor music festival, not music festival there, like a concert. It was, like, a string orchestra thing that was supposed to be 
a, a company outing that was very poorly attended and we got in trouble sort of for like how much money we spent on this thing that nobody went to but like not our fault man have other people show up so yeah. i've been there i saw music there so that's cool again another thing that hit home with me something that i saw in the trailer that i didn't get to talk about that was in my newts my newts notes newts was um he has fucking raver finger gloves out in the middle of the fucking movie for no reason and he's just, like rubbing rooney moore's face and then <laughs> and then the immediate scene after that like she's sitting on ryan gosling's face with her clothes on and i was just like these two scenes back to back we needed to cut in something less weird in between these two yeah so we just got you know finger gloves and face sitting back to back in the movie and i was like wow love it yeah love it at the end of the year, each year, I watch a few different, I like, I look forward to a few different sort of super cuts of the year. Yes, that you sent me, they, they're pretty cool. What they almost always are, or have been the last couple years, they're very heavily music-based. Dance-based. And they're also really heavily dance-based. Yeah. And I'm glad that I rewatched this movie for this podcast, because there's a couple different scenes. There's the twerking scene. I think at the Diplo concert, or right around the, the beginning of the movie, there's yes. some working that was in that. There's, like, almost two Diplo scenes, because you have the first one where, like, it's just Diplo, but then you have kind of, like, a major laser scene where everybody's twerking. The other scene was that I, I remember seeing from those is toward the end of the movie, maybe, like, two-thirds of the way through, there's a scene where they're, like, outside, and everybody's sort of, like, lit up with, like, glow sticks. Like, they're not at a rave. They're, like, at a house party, I think. But they're yeah. all, like, lit up at glow sticks, and they're, like, on a pool, or they're on water, or whatever, and like, they're just this really cool... And I was like, I've seen these, I don't know where they're from, but they're both from this, so I'm glad oh, that, that cool. happened. Yep. That's cool. So you got the place where they where you saw them yeah. from. Nice. Yep. Next thing is the, bo- the most and least boyfriend material moment. Okay, for me, the most boyfriend material moment was very, very easy in this movie. Okay. When they're playing with the lipstick, and drawing on each other... And he draws an X on her heart. And she says, what's the X for? And he says, X marks the spot. Adorable. That was the most boyfriend material moment of the movie for me. I love it. Yeah. I think I'm playing this game differently Go ahead. from you. That's fine. What I'm doing... There's there's a specific type of man I'm looking for in this. So that's <laughs> why my choices are very obvious. I'm sort of treating this as like the most unique thing he does that's sort of cutesy and boyfriendy and stuff. And my choice for this is when he's with Kate Blanchett and he folds her a chicken out of a napkin. That was a cute one too, yeah. That is. And gives that to her, and then he's, he follows it up with a, you're beautiful. And I was like, yep, there we go. You're right. That's a really, that's a damn good placement. I think that we picked two of the best boyfriend materials that we could have in this movie. Wow. Good job, boss. So now my least boyfriend material moment is when they're in that apartment with the wolf stove, and he sets that pamphlet on fire because, not a huge thing, but it's him as sort of like a little bit of an impetuous child, and he's in an apartment that she's trying to list, or her agency is trying to list, and he's in there, like, he's starting fires. Like, I know that you're angry, but dude, come on. Yeah, I get it, I get it, because you're gonna, like, you're now, like, just kind of fucking with her job a little bit, even though you're, because you're, like, pouting. My least boyfriend material moment was one that, like, was, like, a nice anti-boyfriend jab that he took that's when they're fighting about the cheating right like he just discovers that she possibly could have been cheating on him and you know and they're talking about like how many times did you have sex and he she said once and he says why is he after you if he's not attracted to you and i was like oh 
that's like a deep burn. You know what I mean? Like, you're so uninteresting that if he didn't want to have sex with you, he wouldn't even consider talking to you. And I was like, that's very anti-boyfriend material. That, again, like, completely different scene, but another just sort of like an impetuous, why are you being so mean to Rooney Mara? She's a goddamn delight. Oh, I forgot that I was gonna I was gonna ask you about like how much you love her because to me she's so bland in this movie. But yeah, yeah but like everybody's kind of bland in this movie. Like even Gosling's kind of bland in this movie. I think that's kind of like what because it's I not know. about the people. It's about like the feeling and yeah. just sort of the experience. I like her because she's also. I mean, we just saw her in a movie for Film Club for Girl Dragon Tattoo. She is yes. that girl with the dragon tattoo. Yes. When Mike and I were doing Charlize, we sent out we we narrowed down a list of about. 15 or 20 actresses to six and we sent out that list to all of our frequent guests i think i sent it to you yeah and on that list of six were both rooney mara and kate blanchett the two actresses nice. the two main actresses in this it was overwhelming how disinterested everybody was in rooney mara's career like we were like oh she's cool she's in the, all these like good movies like she's only been around for like seven or eight years like she's got a lot of recent stuff we're gonna do this and like mike was even like hey maybe we can do rooney and, a, and her sister kate who is the girl from the first season of american horror story okay you remember her the cute brunette girl she's also in the first in the first season house of cards okay. the journalist who spoiler alert uh kevin spacey pushes in front of the train oh that's her sister that's her sister damn yes. that one's so much more attractive than her totally more my speed it's up it's and personal I mean, no it's personal preference man. Yes. i get it but i'm saying like th- for me that one's way more my speed and also weirdly their dad or their grandfather or somebody owns the giants that's the mara family that they own the new york oh, football giants that's right you know what i read something about this once there's some kind of relationship in their family where like I think someone in their family are, are, are like cousins or somewhere, family friends or something. Like whoever owns the Steelers has some kind of connection to the Mara family too. I think you're right. You're right. Yeah, I forget what that was too. I read all of the sports parts of this. Yeah, I just can't think of them off the top of my head. You're, yeah, you're right. I get it. So yeah, so that's them. So yeah, they are sisters. So Mike, Mike and I were like, oh, maybe we'll do both. Maybe we'll just do both Maras and sort of do it in order. Like we were saying a while ago, we really want to do a Jill and Hollick's Anonymous podcast just because that is a great name for a podcast where we would watch both the movies yep. of Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal. We were like, oh, we can just do whatever the Mara podcast was going to be. Overwhelmingly, people were like, nope, don't want to do Rooney. We're like, all right. <laughs> don't care. So like, guys. she's been in so many sorry, movies that I like sorry. her. She's in this. She's in her. She's in Social Network, Dragon Tattoo. A Ghost Story is great. Oh, that's right. She's Kubo in Kubo is great. Yeah. She's been in a couple different Soderbergh movies. Ink Them Body Saints is great. Carol with Kate Blanchett, uh, The Discovery. I didn't watch that one last year. So, yeah, I mean, she's been in a ton of really good movies. Would have liked to have talked about it. So the next game that we have to play is the Letterbox game, and I have some devastating news for you, Joe. Not devastating, really, but sort of devastating. I have been lying to you for the better part of a year. You have? So on Letterbox, I can sort all films by popularity. In that way, Mad Max is number one. However... I was clicking around, and I found out... I still don't know if this is right, but I found out that Mad Max is not the most logged film on Letterboxd. It's Waif. I wish. I wish. (laughs) If it was Waif, Zack Attack would be a lot bigger than it is. (laughs) I know. Go ahead. Because we have firm grasp on the Waif Letterboxd page. The number one watched film, from what I can gather, is The Dark Knight, which makes sense. Also makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But I like... So The Dark Knight is our new baseline no go back 
you want to you want to do Mad Max? I want to do Mad Max. Yeah, but but tell me what the Dark Knight is, just so I can hear that one too. So here here yeah well, okay we'll do all three. So okay so Mad Max our past. I guess still present and future benchmark. 198,000 people. Now, The Dark Knight, 230,000 people. Significantly really? higher. Really? I don't think that's too significant. We're not when we're up that high. I mean, that's 15%. I mean, yeah, but... Yeah. Okay. Okay, so now before you guess what I try to do every month, try to jumble your brain a little bit. So we have a movie that came out just a year ago, but it's a movie starring Ryan Gosling, who Letterbox loves. Yep. Michael Fassbender, who I think... Letterbox loves Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett, who Letterbox definitely loves, and Terrence Malick, and it's a you know sort of a film pretentious group. So, how many people do you think saw Song to Song? Seventeen thousand six hundred thirty-nine. Lower. And remember, when we're up in this high, there's no tens or ones; it's just thousands and hundreds. So, you don't have to go too specific here with that. Yeah, I'm, I just know the answer to the end of it, so that's why I was trying to say it. I'm gonna go thirteen thousand. Twelve thousand eight hundred. So you are remarkably close the second time around. Okay, very close. That was, I was that, that was a pretty good one. I was I was kind of off lately. That was a pretty close one. So you've been a little bit off lately, but you've also been saying, which I noticed when editing, is that like you're like, oh, I was gonna say that's my first answer. Well, then just say that's your first answer. No, but you because you throw me some things and I get in my own head and like I mean my head's a weird place. So like I say something and then like I'm I'm like thinking about it. And you say, like, oh, but Gosling's in it. And I'm like, okay, add 5,000. And then, like, it was like, no, it was the, it was the exact number that I was thinking of first. So, I mean, mm-hmm. not blaming you, because it's definitely me making the guesses. It's just like, oh, fuck, like, I was going to say that first. But this time, I was actually going to say exactly what I was going to say in the order that I said it. My second guess was very close, and that's what I'm sticking with. I'm looking up right now, because on Letterboxd right now, uh, Kelly Hernandez is still listed in Song of Song. I'm just trying to figure out which... She was one of the dress girls. I think she was the red dress girl in La La Land. Oh, okay. I think cool. That makes, sense. that makes sense. So she was in this, but she got cut out of this. Okay. So out of those 12,800 people, how many put it in their top four? Oh, um, 63. Lower. Oh, really? Um, 37. 30. 30, exactly. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I didn't expect that this would be a lot of... But that could go either way on Letterboxd. You know, you could have, like, a bunch of people pretending like this is their favorite movie. And, then, like, I'm so artistic, you know? Like, something like that. But I get it. So we are going to look at Jack's profile, J.R. Keating, on Letterboxd. He has it in his top four. He has five stars. He's written multiple reviews for it. Multiple reviews for it. Okay. His top four films still active on Letterboxd. All four of these films came out in the last year. I'm going to go American Honey because we were talking about it. It's, it's a similar movie. No. Damn. In the last year? Yes. Moonlight. No. Uh, again, that was two years ago. Or like a year really? and a half ago. Yeah, these are all 2017, 2018 movies. Okay, so these are recent ones. Yes. So they're... Um, three billboards. No. They would all qual- here's, a, here's a better way to say it. They're all qualified for this year's Oscars. Uh, Shape of Water. Nope. Fuck. Um, t- Darkest Hour. Nope. Phantom Thread. Yep, that is his number four movie. Um, I'm not sure you're going to get number two. Number two is a movie that I mentioned earlier, A Ghost Story, also starring Rooney Mara. And his last one is Blade Runner 2049. Oh, that makes so much sense. I'm such an idiot. I'm glad you didn't give me a hint for that one because it, it's so obvious. And I just wanted to. Ju- I just want this piece to exist as my stupidity because I didn't get that. But yeah, okay. Okay, fire-ass titles. We've already talked about how Song Song is a pretty good name, better name than Lawless or Weightless, but we could 
we can improve upon that. I, I think we got some. I got some. I'm, I got some cranking in my head right now. I'm cooking them up. Go ahead. We are still your friends. <laughs> That's a good one. The moats. M-O-A-T-S? Yeah, moats. Like on the water? Like on water. Like houses that have water around them. Multiple houses that wander around them. I'm going to say, I'm going to go back to a, a previous one of his films and sort of change a little bit. The Music of Life. I was going to go The Songbird. Is that Rooney? It, it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to disclose it because the movie doesn't fucking <laughs> tell you anything. I'm just going to give it a weird-ass title and not describe why I chose it. I'm going to go music-related in a way. I'm going to call it Views. Longhorns. They do go to a game. Yeah, it, it, and they're in Texas, and the, it, I thought it, I thought it played well to a lot of different things. I wonder whose box that was because, like, they're just you're just in a box watching a Longhorns game, and like Michael Fassbender and Natalie Portman are just there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, it was a game because they're not going to like was stage a, game, a yeah. full game, so like, right. This movie didn't have like a budget like that. You can just tell. So no, correct. Yeah. Uh, and when I went to, the only UT game that I went to, uh, Michael, uh, Matthew McConaughey was there. I feel like every time he's in town for a home game, he's there up in a box, and he oh, like, cool. does this chant to like, get the crowd into it. Like, it does he like do the Wolf box? of Wall Street bag on his chest chant? Cause he sure does. He does? Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay, good. I was I was kidding, but that makes it way better. Go ahead. No, 100%. Um, so you did Longhorns. Uh, I'm going to say Deep in the Heart of Texas. Um, okay, I got a final one, but I don't want to blow it yet. I'm running low, so why don't you do one more, then I'll do one more, then you do your final one. Rave. I'm going to say either backstage access or just Ooh. access. Access. I like access. That's a good one. My final one was violence and sex. Mm. Or sexual violence. But I like violence and sex. That brings us back to the very early days of Fire titles, where you would just like take like three nouns or three adjectives and just like... One, two, three. Yes. Sex, violence, light gloves. Okay. Boy for Material, Ryan Gosling Awards, potentially now called the Gossies. The Gossies. Gossies. The Geese. The Golden Geese, right? Didn't we say that? We have the Golden Fleece, uh, Golden Geese. Got all sorts of names. We'll figure it out as we go on. Okay. So we want to add in categories for Scream and Cry. Yes. So, let's see here. Do we want to add in best instrument played? I mean, we could. We can, because we can always cut categories if, like, we don't have enough. Because I think his sensual piano playing in this one is pretty good. I actually like the scene when he's, like, playing and um, Magneto's singing. Like, that scene of him playing the piano. I think that was well worth it. Okay, so for best Ryan Gosling instrument played, we have playing piano with Fassbender singing in Song to Song, and we have playing guitar at a party from La La Land, one of my favorite scenes in that movie. Yeah, for sure. That's up there. The only instrument he plays, he plays like one note on the piano in Blade Runner. We're not going to include that. So for best Ryan Gosling, just while we're on the new ones, best Ryan Gosling cry... We want to, I mean, we're going to have every category. We're going to have every instance here. So seeing his dad dying in bed. That's a pretty good song one. Song. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Does he cry? I don't think, does he cry in La La Land? He, he almost does at the end when he sees her, I think. Yeah, but he powers through. But that's not, a, that's, there's no tears. Yeah. And he's a okay. replicant last month, so he doesn't cry in that. Best Ryan Gosling scream has he... What was the moment in La La Land? When he's talking to his sister about the, like, you can't sit on that bench. That's what's his name's bench. Ah! That one. I like that one. About the jazz bench. Yeah. When he's talking, like, this is not this is not trash. It's jazz. It's jazz bench. Ah! So you were saying best non-gossing role male. You want Michael Fassbender there? No. Best non-gossing role female. I want blonde Natalie Portman. Okay. <laughs> blonde Natalie Portman. Whoever that might be. 
you should look her up on IMDb so that we get her real name. Best job? We want to do oil rig salesman or whatever? Yeah. Duh. Oil worker. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Oil laborer. Oil laborer. I like that. I like that one a lot, too. What are our other categories? So we have best dancing scene. I don't think he really dances in this. No, he doesn't Does dance not in kill this. anybody in this. What I am adding to a different category, we are now three for three in this category. Best cinematography, another gorgeous-looking film. All three films that we've done so far, nominated here. Best soundtrack score feels like... this is this. I think this is going to be the first one that we don't nominate for soundtrack score. Because I feel like I just wanted more. Yeah, I did too. It's like it's not enough music for it being such a music movie like we were talking about. Not enough music for me. Uh, best song, we're not going to do. Most fun film, not going to do. Question for you, is this one for his most boyfriend material caliber role? No. I'm going to say no. Nope. Definitely not. Most disappointing movie? No, so I couldn't have been let down by it. Yeah, it's this is this is so middle of the road. I think that this is summing up how we feel about this movie. You know what I mean? I gave it four out of five. I think that's a little generous on Letterboxd, maybe. Maybe three and a half, four. But, but like, now that you're talking about it, don't you see that you're kind of like meh about a lot of it? I'm meh about a lot of it, but I also love the way it looks, and I love the feeling of it, and I love the There's location a, it's good. of it. If, if we had a, if we had a like, best emotional stirring category, I think that it does drive a lot of feeling with very little words, and that's hard to do in a film. I agree, but like for the most part, a lot of it's meh. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Is there anything that we want to create for this, or no? No, we already did. I think the playing an instrument and stuff was good. Scream was good. But no, I have nothing else that I really want to add to it. So the only other thing to do on the show before we wrap up is talk about what, we, what else we've recorded lately. The last episode that we recorded was the Havoc episode of Magic Mike's The Channing Tatum Podcast. We didn't make our guesses. Oh, we didn't do that. Yeah, you're right. Damn. Good, I'm glad we caught it. I am off my game tonight. Usually I have you to keep me in check. I don't like this role reversal we're doing. The next movie that we're covering is The Nice Guys okay. with Mike Manzi in tow. Resident Historian. I'm just looking up the movie poster. I'm not looking up the movie. It's him and Russell Crowe. It's like in the 70s, they're detectives. Oh, wait. Okay, yeah. So I forgot. So here were your guesses for this. Go ahead, tell me. Man, we almost forgot crucial things. So, okay. okay. Best moment. You said, obviously, he's a rock star in the movie. Close. Wrong, but maybe Song of Song 2, he's a rock star. He sees this girl in the crowd. He's on tour. He writes this very raunchy sexual song about her. The next year... She makes eye contact with him. He points to the security guard, gets her on stage. It's really romantic. As a follow-up, you said his worst, the least boyfriend material moment. He, you said, but then he fucks her and doesn't call her again. He actually kicks her with his foot out of the tour bus. And then in parentheses, in the upper thigh, it's not aggressive or abusive. <laughs> Unfortunately... Incorrect across the board. This is part of the eight-hour cut. You just didn't watch this part. True. You totally True. missed it. This is the extended version of this movie. Can't believe you didn't even think of it. Go ahead. So the nice guys. I saw this movie. I love this movie. In the year that La La Land came out, this also came out. They were both in my top ten for that year. I'm going to have to keep abstaining from these early ones. We're going to get to a point where I don't know the Gosling movies or I don't remember them. I can carry us. For now, I once again have to abstain. So right now for you, what is his best boyfriend material moment in a film called The Nice Guys? The Nice Guys is a film set in the 70s. Obviously, they are door-to-door Bible salesmen. Okay. They're like Mormons. And they're Canadian. They're Canadian Mormons. 
that's why they're so nice. Blame Canada. Blame Canada. So the Canadian Mormons are now in Atlanta, and it's the 70s. They come in, they knock on a door. This woman is like, I can't buy a Bible because my husband wouldn't like it. And he's like, listen, woman, you talking to men at the door? Gosling does? No, the husband. Oh, okay. In the house, because she's answering. It's the 70s. She has to answer the door. She's the woman. Right? Come on. So her husband goes, listen, woman. Listen, woman, you talking to men at the door again? And she's like, (laughs) no, no, baby, no. And Gosling's like, what's going on in here? I'm a Mormon Canadian. And and Russell Crowe's with him. He comes back, and he's like, I told you about that. And he grabs her, like, by the neck. And Gosling just swings this Bible at him and just clocks this dude, right? And he just knocks him out. Russell Crowe stands over him like, what? And then they um, take this nice woman with them, and she becomes um, one of their 20 sister wives. And that's the most boyfriend material of the movie. Now his least boyfriend material moment. You know, about three weeks into their relationship, he points to the seven sister wife in front of all the other ones and goes, I like her best. Oh. Yeah. Why does he do that? Because that seems so out of character for him. Well, because they, they were all, like, conspiring against him to, like, you know, break free or something. It Like, it's kind of a cult. You know how it is. And, um, cool. I got it. And he says, no, he first he says, sorry. <laughs> I like sorry. her best because they're the nice guys and they're Canadian Mormons. So <laughs> that's, that's what he does. He says, sorry, sorry. I like her best. I like her best. Yeah. Emphasis on like the worry. Yeah. So the last thing we recorded is Havoc. What about Havoc made you remember that, or you just realized that we didn't do it? I just realized we didn't do it. Okay. Yeah, it had nothing to do with that, I don't think. Well, good save. Good save. I actually thought about it, because I looked at that sheet before when we when I was watching you the You need movie. to make a checklist for uh, the us. Dude, friend. I have a checklist. I just... <laughs> just it's not a com- I guess shit. it's not complete. I have so many checklists for podcast stuff, it's ridiculous. The last thing we recorded is Havoc. Which was a great movie. Magic Mike's The Channing Tatum Podcast. We talked about that 10 days ago. Yes. The next thing we're talking about is Joe's least favorite Fast and Furious film, Fast and Furious, number four. Yeah, which I'm actually excited to watch because this is by far the least watched one. Well, no, it's not. Like, I've only seen, like, seven and eight a couple times, but I think four I've definitively only seen twice. Like, And four's been out for nine years. Like, you've had a lot more time to watch yeah. four. Yeah, and I think that maybe only even once, to be honest. Like, So it's definitely not one that I choose to watch ever. So, yeah. Resident historian Mike Manzi, who is watching two, the Fast and Furious movies along with us, told yes, he me is. that it is also his least seen Fast and Furious film. So he, I don't know if this is his least favorite, but he said it's definitely his least seen. I think he's only seen it once. So Cool. Uh, okay, good. So we're in the same boat. Sort of for all of us. I mean, we have to watch it infinity more times. So Yep. So that's coming up next on March 1st. Fast and Furious, me. And then one month from today, come back for The Nice Guys, Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe, where, where they are Canadian Mormons looking for selling, sister wives. Selling Bibles door-to-door. Selling Bibles door-to-door. Go check yeah. all those out. Also, not by the time... Well, actually, maybe by the time the next episode of this comes out, there may be a new Zack Attack episode. There might be. The Disaster Artist? The Disaster Artist. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about that one with you. That'll be fun. We'll confirm that on all of our podcasts as we get closer to that. I think the release is coming out sometime. I I, want to say it's March 13th. I don't know if that's real or not. If so, we're going to try to get the episode out as close to that date, if not on that date, as possible. So if you care about Zack Attack, and if you're you're listening to this, unless you just search Ryan Gosling on iTunes, 
you probably followed us from Zack Attack, so good news, there was a Zack Attack coming soon, fingers crossed. Yes. Any last thoughts about Song to Song or this podcast or anything? Again, before you answer, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, email us, material at cageclub.me. Send us Send me a picture of your favorite cereal. Yeah. Uh, shout out Mike Manzi, who wrote the email in. Shout out Rachel, being our number one listener. Hi, Jenny and Jess. Hope to hear from you soon. Yep. I know that Jenny wrote into the Fast and Furious episode. Oh, at least cool. one email. So okay. I know that she's still listening. We will catch you guys hopefully next month. Jess was also saying she feels bad that she is falling behind. She has a job that's yeah, closer, I think, to her this. house. Yeah. It's all good. I hope you're still listening, but you are still, until you write in, you are still Jess Montez, not Jess forever. Collins. Jess Montez forever in our hearts. Yes. Amen. It is a sign of disgust, but also endearment. So, yeah. Any last thoughts about Song Song before we wrap up? Nope. That's all I got to say about that. I would say if you listen to all of this and you haven't watched it yet, don't. That's all I got to say. If you want to see it, it's free to watch on Amazon Prime. Well, that's true. Yeah, good point. Yeah. If you pay for Amazon Prime, it's including your subscription free to watch on there. Yeah. I think I like it. It's decidedly, you know, I am ranking all of Gosling's films on Letterboxd in order of how much I like them. This is number three right now. I can tell you that after next month, it will be number four. Uh, I don't <laughs> know where next next month's movie is going to go. I still really like this, but it is the least essential Gosling movie yet. Makes Lala Land, Blade Runner, both much better than this. I like them both more. He's in the more. He's better in those movies. Here, it's just the type of movie that he's in. Like, it's not about him. He's just there. It is interesting to watch because they shot it so crazy out of order over the span of a year or two that, like, in some scenes, he's, like, sort of, like, really kind of jacked. And then in other scenes, he's, like, much thinner. So, like, you sort of go back and forth a little bit. I kind of, now that you say that, my brain kind of noticed it, but, like, I didn't put it together, so. If you want to watch it as a social experiment, go check it out. But, yeah, free on Prime. This is also the kind of movie that you could probably enjoy if you want to fall asleep to, or if you want to just have it on muted, if you want to put your own, like... Do your own song of song. Maybe listen to the La La Land soundtrack while you watch this. <laughs> no, that sounds like a miserable idea, but okay. Or the best idea. I don't know. Okay. So for all things boy for material. Oh, actually, what was the, uh, going back for a second, what was the material for this episode? Silk. This episode was brought to you by Silk. Which was Mike's recommendation for Blade Runner. Yeah. And then I went with plaid flannel. Which isn't really Any a material, one of these answers. but whatever you want. Well, flannel's a material. Is it? It's wool. Yeah. Isn't plaid it is a pattern. Flannel, yeah. I don't know. I did Flannel's have to Google, cool. is plaid a material or a pattern? Clearly a pattern. a pattern. And I was like, flannel, well, yeah, whatever. So silk silk yeah. is the official material of the day for boyfriend material, for all things boyfriend material, including the previous two episodes and the other previous two materials themselves. You can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter. Oh, so this comes out on Wednesday the 21st. Mm-hmm. Also today is the first full episode of Winona Forever, the Winona Ryder podcast. Oh, that's right. So yeah. go check that out. Also, yesterday was episode two of The Contenders, so go check that out. We have Mike's podcast launching next Saturday. And then stay tuned because next Thursday, March 1st, we have another very special podcast announcement that mm. you will check out find out news for all that on cageclub.me facebook.com slash cageclub and at cageclubpod on twitter the march 1st announcement is something that we have not discussed yet that we will mention on the fast too fast too forever podcast because that comes out the same day okay go to those places rate review subscribe there is a newsletter feature on cageclub.me 
that I don't write. It's automatically generated. But if you never want to miss an episode, if you just want to know what we're doing, there might be shows that you're interested in that you don't know that we do. You're constantly adding shows, dude. I don't know how to email that list, so we're not going to spam you. You just get an automated email every morning when a new post goes up. So Cool. That's easy. Check that's, it that's out. That's not intrusive. Yeah. So if you subscribed to that newsletter, today you would have gotten an email about this episode, about Winona Forever. And also about the new PSL of Hoffman. So, I mean, cool. Wednesday is a big day now, apparently. You know, when yeah. the 21st is on a Wednesday. So, awesome. that's all I got. Good. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next time on Boyfriend Material. Material.